Hello and welcome to the Thought Leader Podcast. I'm Jeff Heisner. Today we have an important conversation as Michigan District President Dave Davis is joined by Travis Grelke and Dr. Greg Seltz to talk about the proper Christian posture toward culture. This is part three of three separate discussions. Welcome back to our last segment, our conversation about how things are going in the country, how politics and church might connect together. And uh, two great churchmen are with me, and I'm grateful for Travis Grolke. Again, he's the superintendent of our uh, Lutheran schools here in the state of Michigan, does a lot of stuff in Lansing. And our homeboy, Greg Seltz, uh, from the executive director of the Lutheran Center for Religious Liberty. Uh, go online and you can find uh, his organization. I think you'll find lcrlfreedom.org. That's we'll great. get you some some good information from Greg. So in, in this last segment, I wanted to think about what's the proper Christian posture, posture toward culture as a whole. I mean, that would include the government, it would include business, but even beyond that, and uh, someone gave me the name of James Davison Hunter uh, that, that I ought to read, and he said this, he said there are four approaches, you know, a lot of people have written on church and culture, uh, four approaches uh, with church and culture. One is that the church would battle against culture. We're going to go out and fix everything, change everything. A second approach would be to retreat from culture. Uh, uh, is that having just our own schools, our own universities? Is that something we do? Is that something we, we don't do? Uh, just go hide in a, a bunker someplace. A third thing is to capitulate to culture and uh, to give in. We might think about some of the more liberal church bodies across America that end up not sounding much different from the culture. Let's put the best construction. They're trying to impacted, but have they capitulated to it? And then he concludes with the idea of to be instead faithfully present in culture, and I'm not sure what all he means by that, and I'd like to explore that. What, is, what does that sound like that would mean? What would it look like to be for us to be faithfully present in the midst of our culture? Uh, Travis, uh, how does that strike you, or how might you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I like that idea that that faithfully present. I, I, I try as best we can, especially with our, our administrators and some of our leaders in our schools and in our congregations, to, to not do this us us versus them, right? That it's it's going to be this this war and battle. And I think there's we always have to be faithfully present in terms of what we're doing and how we're serving in our communities. And there are times when to to be faithful, we got to stand up and That's share right. our voices in in the proper way. Um, and we need to. I don't want to use that word battle, but we need to choose those opportunities when our voice needs to be heard in a powerful, confident, and proper manner. Um, so I, I believe that's how I'm faithfully present, is when I'm doing that in constructive ways uh, and recognizing when I believe those individuals that we elected to serve us are moving or doing some things that go against uh, what the good Lord desires for our lives. Um, and it's my job as a as a Christian, um, especially as leaders in our schools and congregations, to step up and do those things in appropriate and proper ways. You know, uh, you mentioned that about not battling. What's that phrase? Uh, the non-anxious, non-ancient, anxious presence. Presence, yeah. And and that when we're when we're engaged, it's not we're shrill, we're angry, 
uh, we, we want to be reasonable. We want to be respectful as we speak up in whatever realm that that we might speak up. That we do that in an honorable way, yeah, um, and not out of fear. Yeah. Well, and let yeah, me jump you, in on that because you know you get into the political stuff. See, what a lot of times what we start doing is mixing our God engages the world two different ways, and so. Sometimes we have these evangelism uh, instincts, and then other times we have these, what is God doing to preserve the world instincts? Like you'll have a verse like, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. That's in the Bible. Well, but that's not an evangelism verse. That's more of a societal verse. That's more of a, you know, to be a, a decent human being, you'll work hard and you'll take care of yourself. So you have to start asking the question, am I dealing... So we have a phrase called dynamic differentiation. You're going to be involved in this. You can't escape culture. You're in culture. And so the question is how? I'm in culture, but I differentiate God's preserving and saving work. I ask different questions of the government than I do of my evangelism, my pastor, my church. Um, so we even teach people how to differentiate by asking the right questions. Is this a WWJD question? No, that's evangelism. Or is this a WWFD question? What would the Father have me do to preserve the world? And I then try to come up with an image of being a good you know, person engaging in politics. And I came up with the best image I've got is you're an offensive lineman. If you are involved in in politics, so the the quarterback, the running back, the wide receiver, they score the touchdowns, they evangelize, they share the gospel, touchdown, touchdown, but on every play. So, yes, I think we should do it honorably. Yes, I think we should do it lovingly, caringly, but we need to block that guy. Well, uh, Greg, Greg, you know me and you've seen me. I don't think I look like an offensive lineman. Well, you, okay, but you could be the coach. You could be the offensive line coach. But, I mean, the guys, those of us who engage politics every day for the sake of the church, we block every play. And yeah. so I think sometimes our evangelism sneaks in there and we think, oh, well, we should let the linemen in. We're, we don't want to be, you know, no, you got to block that guy. You got to block that defensive end because he sacks your quarterback, then the church is muted. And that's what politics is. That's God's preserving work. And that's a good work. It's just not his ultimate work. So we got to learn how to differentiate how God works in the world to preserve and to save, to be that faithful presence in the middle of all this. Great stuff. Yeah. Uh, very good. Uh, I, I know in a, another part of our conversation, maybe offline, Greg, you had uh, another resource about oh, yeah. thinking through this, how we live out our lives. And now yeah, I want to called, come back to something else you said. Yeah, it's called the paradoxical vision. So again, when you have Dave, James Davison Hunter, who I think is great. I, I'd use a lot of his stuff, Culture War, uh, How to Change the World. These are great books. But Robert Benny's book, The Paradoxical Vision, says, okay, Christians, here's a grid of engagement. And I'll just go quickly. He says it's, it's it has to do with unintentional, indirect, and intentional, indirect. And so basically what he says is the church generally influences the culture just by being church, being Christian people, unintentionally indirect. You try to live out your life for your neighbor. Un then the next one is intentional and indirect, where you hear something about God teaches you morally about this or that or whatever. And then you just go out and try to, again, influence some things, but the church didn't tell you to do that. That's you taking it upon yourself to say, I know this is right. I know this is wrong. I vote this way or I speak this way to my neighbors. The next two, when you start to get into intentional and indirect and intentional and direct, that's when you're asking, does the church have a thus saith the Lord for Caesar? And what he does for us here is he says, there's very few thus saith the Lord's to Caesar. And so most stuff you can actually agree to disagree with your, your, your buddies, you know? 
but there's a few, and we call it religious liberty. We defend it for everybody. Sanctity of life, we defend it for everybody because the state has no power to say that innocent life um, is not worth living and can be coercively taken away. I don't care if it's in the womb or at the end of life, that's beyond their ability. And marriage and then education, we say those are religious liberty issues. And that's the top four. That's it. Once you get past that, now you're getting into sanctified common sense, and we can disagree on a lot of things and still go to the same table. Yep. Benny ga- gives you a really a grid of engagement that helps you engage in a way that keeps politics in its proper place and keeps the gospel from being politicized. Yeah, very good. Um, uh, Travis, say a couple of things about the um, kind of hoped-for impact directly out of your office, our parochial schools, our um, Christian education beyond our, our schools and uh, and education within our congregations. Uh, say something about how you see that impacting our people being faithfully present. Yeah, I mean, um, going back to that battle that I talked about earlier too, you know, it, it's clear coming out of our our Lansing is is some clear lines in the sand where they they have differentiated and they say it's an us versus them type thing. Right. And there's some there's some pretty clear things where we are pushing back and trying to be those offensive linemen and say no. Block them. Um, you, you're taking away <laughs> things that make us who we are and what we are. Um, right. And you're you're limiting us as non-public schools just because they believe in Christ uh, right. and trying to share who He is and what He is. So. We're, we're trying to be faithfully present, but we're, I love his analogy there. I'm going to be stealing it and using it now. Um, we're trying <laughs> to be that big left tackle uh, and pushing through a little bit and reminding them, no, we still have these rights and we're not going to let you get in and take away that education aspect and who we are and what we are. Yeah. Uh, keeping with his football analogy, uh, <laughs> some football players play mean and angry and some play according to the rules, but with vigor and energy. Right. And and that's part of, as is, is I think both of you guys are saying. Honorable, yeah. Is is our responsibility. Well, let um, me, and l- let me jump into, to folks, tell your people this, especially. This narrative that that they're, they're getting involved in these things because they think the state's a better, uh, has better solutions. Read the book, What If Jesus Were Never Born by D. James Kennedy and Jerry mm-hmm. Newcomb. It's, a long, it's an old book, but it's easy to read. So many of the blessings of our Western culture come from, the, come from a biblical worldview that was finally put into place through free citizens. Universal education, that flows from the Reformation, sanctity of life, honoring women. All these things, flew, they come from a Christian biblical worldview. If you remove the biblical worldview that God created you and you have inalienable rights, uh, those things go with it. And a lot of Christians don't realize that some of the very blessings that they that our culture has came from Christians who were instilling these virtues into our culture. And so we should be we should be able to argue that or at least dialogue that so people go, oh, you guys are actually good people because there's this notion that the church is a nefarious entity today. Hate speech laws are actually targeting the church's Ten Commandments view of life. And we've got to actually push back on that and say, no, when God says no, it's good for us too. Yeah. Uh, as, as we're talking about this and being faithfully present, uh, I can't help but think about uh, the importance of robust local congregations. 
I can't help but think about, especially as I say everywhere I go in the Michigan district, the impact of reading through the Bible every year to be so enriched by the Word of God that shapes us by the Spirit and to have uh, uh, strong Christian uh, relationships within the congregation. None of that's an end in itself, but it's to prepare us maybe to beef us up as that offensive lineman spiritually to go out into the world. And, um, you know, if we ever think, well, there's nothing we can do, and it, it sounds like a, a pastor, we we can read the Bible. We can be robust in our relationship in, in the congregation, not as an end in itself, but like doing push-ups, it prepares us to go out for the ministry that's in front of us. Um, uh, maybe one more thing, and uh, I'll just ask this. If there's a danger in our circles, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, to choose battle against the culture, retreat from the culture, or capitulate to the culture instead of whatever faithfully present, is, is there a, a way you think we lean incorrectly, or which which of the incorrect ways do you think we're more liable to lean? Do you want me to jump in, Travis? Or that's all you on this one. Yeah. Okay. That's all you. <laughs> I don't have a problem. Uh, well, first of all, we've we've been somewhat of an ethnocentric church in the American experiment, so our tendency is to say, "Well, just kind of let us be." Um, Retreat. But it again that. I don't think the blame is on us at this point. We have an aggressive secular government that actually thinks the church, I've got quotes of people saying that the church is the problem and it needs to be extinguished. And and these are, these are people in government today. So they're the ones that are creating this us versus them nonsense. So we're going to have to at least deal with that reality because they, they want to legislate us out of the public square. But here's my point though. We can still be this positive voice of pushback just think of it this way. You got three institutions in the world. You got church, you got family and government. The first two are in the garden. The, the government's the least important one. It's being made to be the ultimate one by the secularists that, that are running around the utopian folks. Every time the government becomes the ultimate one, tyranny in, in, ensues and people live miserable lives. We're the ones who live, who've brought freedom, not just the freedom of the gospel, but even temporal freedom to the world in such a way that people have been able to live lives self-directed, morally directed. We should be proud of that reality, even as we realize it doesn't save us. It, it allows us to keep preaching the gospel freely. That's worth fighting for. And that's worth defending in the public square. And so all I'm saying to people is, you know, we're going to have to learn how to talk a little bit differently because we're going to, in public square doesn't let you get away with things unless you really know what you're talking about. But we can't shrink back. We cannot shrink back. Um, This is an Esther, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego time. Well, uh, fellas, thank you. I think this has been helpful. And I um, think people across our district will appreciate the conversation. Again, they could reach out to you, Greg Seltz, at uh, gregory.seltz at lcrlfreedom.org. That's correct. And they could reach out to Travis Grolke at travis.grolke at michigandistrict.org. Maybe I could close our little conversation with a word of, of prayer. Father in heaven, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the great gifts that you give to us. And one of the great gifts that you've given to us is to live here in the United States of America. And warts and all, we are thankful for the many blessings that we have. 
Help us to be good stewards of this gift and that we would be rightly and properly engaged, uh, not looking to the government as God, but looking to the government as a servant of God for people and it, that we might be able to influence to that end. Our hope, our help is in you, almighty God. You made the heaven and the earth and you, almighty God, are there in glory building your kingdom. And so we live forward without fear or anxiety, but with purpose, conviction, joy, and love. Let it be so, we pray. For Jesus' sake, amen. Amen. amen.